Good morning, guys. Good to be back with you this week. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus has a very interesting conversation with Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is a religious leader. He's part of, he's a Pharisee. He's part of the Sanhedrin. He's a rabbi. He's somebody who has studied the scriptures. And Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus about being born again. Now, I can remember reading this passage when I was a kid. And I remember kind of having the same question that Nicodemus had. If you remember when Jesus talked to Nicodemus about being born again, Nicodemus looked at him with kind of real question and skepticism and says, well, how can somebody who's already old or already been born be born again? And as a little kid, that was sort of my question. Now, as I grew and I became a believer and matured, I realized what Jesus was talking about, that it wasn't a physical rebirth, but it was a spiritual rebirth. But I also began to realize as I got a little older and understood what Jesus was saying was that for me to be born again, for any person to be born again, they have to first die. Now, I don't mean physical death or, or spiritual death, but death to sin, death to self-centeredness, death to doing life according to my will so that I could be born again to live life according to to God's will. And so as, as I read scripture, I realized that Jesus talks a lot about in the New Testament and the Gospels about dying. And so I kind of had a question as, as, as I read these verses about dying, about why God was showing me this truth about needing to die to sin and to self and to my will. But even as I asked that question, it was like I went, duh, that is really what raised the roof and removed the walls is all about. Dying to my will, my way, my plans, my desires, my dreams, and letting Jesus truly be Lord of my life and living life according to his will, following his plan and his direction and his timing for my life. In John chapter 12 and verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In other words, Jesus is saying, for me and you to produce fruit, we have to be like that seed that is placed into the ground and literally dies and it's covered. But then as it's dead and it's covered, it then comes back to life. It's born again and produces whatever that seed was created to produce. Now, when I was about nine years old, I saw this truth with my own eyes. My mother loved flowers. I mean, she loved flowers. We had flowers all over our yard. We had we had a big front yard, we had a big backyard, and we had flowers all over it. We had, I think, about five flower beds scattered throughout the yard, and then she 
would plant flowers around the different trees that we had in our yard. And so we had flowers all over the place. Well, one fall, my mother made the announcement that she wanted to grow tulips. She had never grown tulips. She'd grown all kinds of flowers, but we'd, she'd never grown tulips. And she said, I want, to grow, I want to go out and buy some tulips. And so she made this, one of the flower beds was going to be the bed that the tulips went in. And so one Saturday, she got me, and we went to one of the little nurseries, local nurseries there in our town, and we bought about two dozen tulip bulbs. Now, if you've ever seen a tulip bulb, they're some of the ugliest things I have ever seen in my life. Okay, they're they're all they're brown and they 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 kind of flake off. They're just ugly. Well, the other thing that surprised me was like the next afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, she said, "Let's let's plant these bulbs." And I'm going, "You don't plant." I, even I knew this as a kid. You don't plant bulbs and and flowers in the fall because they'll be in the ground during winter and they'll die. And they, there's no way, but. My mother was my mother, and I didn't argue with her. So we went out, and we <clears throat> planted those tulip bulbs there in the flower bed. And guess what? That spring, they began to come up. You could see the little green stem come up, and before long, there were these two dozen beautiful tulips. See, those tulips did die. The bulbs did die. They died to being ugly tulip bulbs, and they came alive to being beautiful tulip flowers. That's really pictures our lives. When we die to <clears throat> self and sin, the ugliness that sin has caused in our lives, and we die to that, and we come alive in Jesus, and we're born again, we're going to produce beautiful spiritual fruit. But if we don't die, we can't produce that fruit. If, if we hadn't put those tulip bulbs in the ground and let them stay there during the winter and literally die, they would not have produced those beautiful tulips. See, raise the roof and remove the walls is about dying to ourselves to produce the beautiful spiritual fruit that Jesus can produce in and through our lives. Paul in Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul wants people to understand completely and to know that whatever has come from his life, his work, his ministry is not him, but Jesus. You know, being retired and looking back over 47, 48 years of ministry, I realized that if in those 47 or 48 years, everything that I did, all the ministry, all the work, all the teaching, all the counseling, all of that, if it was just me, it wasn't going to have any eternal effect. But if it's Jesus, then it's going to produce that spiritual fruit in those people's lives. Paul wanted people to know that wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. So was God able to use Paul? Oh, absolutely. Huge. Yes. In, in, in huge ways. You and I sort of have a direct connection with Paul's ministry because it was in Paul's ministry and through Paul 
that the gospel came to Gentiles, that it moved out of the Middle East and Asia into Europe and eventually came to this country. So yes, God used Paul in a huge way, but why was he able to use Paul? Because Paul died to his plans and his desires and his will and lived based on Jesus's plans, Jesus's desires and Jesus's will for Paul's life. We have to die to our plans and our wills so that the plan of Jesus, which is a better plan than you and I have for ourselves, trust me, can come alive and be the reality of our lives. In February of 2003, my son went back to college. He had taken a semester off. He had taken the, the, the fall semester of 2002 off. He had been going to school literally almost solid for two years, and he was just tired. So he asked his mother and I, can I, can I take a semester off? And I said, yeah, as long as you go back to school. But I also said, now, when you go back to school, some of this money that has been scholarship money isn't going to be there anymore, and you're probably going to have to get a job to supplement what, what the remaining money you have for school is. And he said, yeah, no problem. I understand that. So in February of 2003, on a Tuesday, my son called me and he said, Dad, I need you to pray for me. I've got a job interview tomorrow. Now, after I did a little celebration dance, I asked him where he had this interview. And he said, Don't know already about this church. He was going to the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. And he says, I have this interview at Don't already about this church. Now, this loving dad, this follower of Jesus, this pastor of God's church, asks, what kind of job are you interviewing at at Del Norte Baptist Church? Like for a janitor or something? And my son said, no, it was position, position of youth pastor. And I said, is that you? And he said, yes, I really believe it is. Well, it was. Now he's gone on to be a lead pastor. He's been in ministry about 20 years now. That seems like a long time when I say that, and, and it kind of has been. <clears throat> now I had it in my mind, and I thought it was his plan, that he was going to get his degree in education, go into teaching and coaching, a nice, stable, secure occupation, right? But that was not what God had in mind for my son. And thankfully, my son died to his plans and my plans and came alive to God's plans and is now serving God and has been for, like I said, 20 years. See, raise the roof and remove the walls is about dying to my way of serving God and maybe even what others expect or want me to do to serve God and to serve God in the way that he wants. Peter, in 1 Peter 2.24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that we die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. You see, Jesus's death on the cross is not just about you and I going to heaven, having our sins forgiven and going to heaven. It is also about allowing us to die to what Jesus died for, sin, and then living in what he has now declared us to be able to live in because our acceptance of his death on the cross for our sin, which is righteousness, are in right relationship with the Father. I think one of the most important verses that God has used in my life over the years is 2 Corinthians 5.21. 
and I've made reference to it many, many times, where Paul says that he made him who knew no sin. In other words, the Father made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. We don't just accept Jesus' death on the cross so we can have our sins forgiven and, and, and live in heaven and, and eternally with God, but we also do it so that we can die right now to those things that are harmful to us. Sin in its ultimate state is there to kill you and I. I mean, that's what Satan wants to do, kill, steal, and destroy. And sin will eventually kill us unless we die to that sin and come alive through Jesus' resurrection to have his life being lived through us. On January the 5th, 1973, when I say that, it sounds like a long time ago. When I look at it, I realize it's been a little over 50 years ago. I married Janice Marie Harris. On that day, I died to all other women as far as any intimate relationship is concerned and live only in an intimate, loving relationship with Jan. If I were to enter an intimate relationship with any other woman, it would destroy my intimacy with Jan. I can only have one wife. I can only have one loving, intimate relationship with a woman. The same thing is true in my relationship with Jesus. I can only have one Lord. I can't have two Lords or many Lords or several Lords. I can have one Lord. I can have one loving, intimate relationship with a God, and I choose that to be Jesus. See, raise the roof and remove the walls is about dying to any other God so that we can have an intimate relationship with the one true God, Jesus. And I can only do that as I die to any thoughts, any desires, any even questions about there being other gods and come alive to that one intimate relationship with Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul is saying that his life is all about Jesus. What he does, when he does it, how he does it, is determined by Jesus, not Paul. And we see that through Paul's life. You know, Paul had a plan. He wanted to go further into Asia and, and to plant more churches there in Asia. We had the privilege a couple of weeks ago of going around the, the, the country of Turkey where many of these places that Paul ministered were located. And I could see that there were other places that Paul could have gone and planted churches. And that's what he wanted to do. But as he was making plans to do that, he says, no, God, God stopped that. And he doesn't tell us how God stopped it. He just says, God said, no, it's not the direction I want you to go. So Paul then, okay, well, then we'll go over here. And God again says, no. And he sends him a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Paul saw that that was what God wanted. So he changed his plans. He changed his whole direction in ministry and went over to Macedonia and ultimately Greece. That allowed the gospel to spread in areas that it had never, ever spread before. Paul is saying that his life is all about him, about Jesus and nothing else. And when he dies, 
physical death. It's only going to be gain, not loss. It's only going to be better, not worse. <clears throat> we have to live life that way, that to live as Christ. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then life is going to be about Jesus. It's not adding Jesus as a part of my life. I've had too many people over the years as, as a youth pastor, I had too many people who talked about, yeah, they wanted their children to have Jesus as a part of their life. No, Jesus needs to be your life. So we die to those things that aren't of Jesus so that he can produce in us that real life of Jesus through us. One of the songs that God has used in my life over the years is a Chris Tomlin song called I Will Follow. And every time I hear it, it speaks to me and refocuses me on what Jesus wants in my life and how I am to live in relationship to him. The chorus of the song says this, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. You see, it's not about going where I want to go. We just got back, as I mentioned last week, from this mission adventure with Jesus. And we got back. We were in our home church and with our faith family Sunday for the first time in about three weeks. And it was really cool. People were really glad to see us. And that, that was cool. But many of them kept asking, so are you going back? And I said, if Jesus tells me to go back, I'll go back. If he doesn't tell me to go back, I'm not going to argue with him and force my way. Because what it means to die to self and to be alive to Jesus is we go where he goes. We stay where he stays. So if he says, Joe, I want you to stay in Elephant Butte, New Mexico for the rest of your life and not go to any other place, you're going to, I'm going to use you there. I'm, I'm cool with that. Or if he says, I want you to go over here, or I want you to go there, okay, because it's about him, it's not about us. I'm going to move when he tells me to move. And I'm going to love those he loves and love them the way he loves them. And I'm going to serve in the way that he wants me to serve. And then he said, if I lose my life, I will still follow you. I want to be that way. I met people a couple of weeks ago as we went on this mission adventure with Jesus, I met people who were willing to give their lives so that the gospel could be spread. Those were people who had died to self and sin and their will and come along to, to come alive to Jesus' will. See, raise the roof and remove the walls is about dying to myself, coming alive to Jesus, and his will becoming what I want to do. Now, Jesus sums this, this dying up dying to self up in Luke 14, 27, where he says, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You know, we hear that word, carry your cross. And, and sometimes I think we picture, uh, you know, a cross hanging around our neck or a cross in our, in our houses or our offices. Now I, I wear a cross around my neck. It's to remind me of whose I am. We have crosses in our house. Again, it's to remind us of who we are. But he's not talking about a cross you have on your wall or wear around your neck or even a physical cross you carry. He's talking about a place to die. 
You see, he's saying, unless you die, you can't be my disciple. If I don't die to my desires, my plans, my ways, my will, my comfort, my pleasure, my preferences, I cannot be a disciple of Jesus. So you can see by these passages that the roof will not be raised or the walls will not be removed until we die to ourselves and come alive in Jesus. Now, for several years, I've had a kind of a fear in my life that in evangelical Christianity in America, an attempt to make Jesus more seeker-sensitive and not make him seem so demanding of our lives and of how we live, that we have made Christianity something that it's not. You see, being a Christian is not saying the right magic words. It's, it's, it's not having, you know, saying the right words. I remember as a, as a young boy going to give my life to Jesus, and I kept thinking in my mind, what is it I need to say to convince this pastor that I've really given my life to Jesus when I knew I hadn't? But what Jesus spoke to me about that whole time as I was walking down that aisle was not what I was going to say, but what was true of my life was that I was a sinner and I needed to be forgiven. So it's not just saying the right magic words. It's not signing some decision card at a evangelistic rally or in a church or in something like that. It's not just believing in your head the right stuff or having the right theology. It's not walking down an aisle. It's not making Jesus part of your life. It's not even being baptized. What it means to be a Christian is dying to self, to sin, to your will, to be born again to righteousness and God's will. Paul shares this truth, I think, very distinctly in Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4. He writes, Oh, don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too might live a new life. If I'm going to be born again, I have to die. When I die to living life my way, according to my will, I can be born to living life God's way, with Jesus as my Lord, with the Holy Spirit filling me, and the Father, God the Father, as my Abba. That's real life, but it's also radical life. It will get you in trouble. It will get you in trouble in our culture because in our culture, religion is okay as long as it's kind of low-key, kept over in the corner, but, but not really brought out into the light, not brought out into public. Oh, you can believe what you want. Just don't talk about it. Don't put it out for public consumption. And even in the church, and, you know, I can never forget in the middle of, at the end of a Bible study on a Wednesday night in the church I was pastoring, I had been talking about being radical for Jesus and talked about some of the things that that would require of our lives as followers of Jesus if we were radical followers of Jesus. And I had one of my church leaders, one of my, my leaders in the church come up to me and said, you need to tone down this radical following of Jesus. 
You need to, you need to, to kind of modify. I'm thinking, why? Now, I realize that word radical in our culture has taken on a whole different aspect than what it really means. But to be a radical follower of Jesus simply means I have died to my will and I am living based upon Jesus as well. He gives us the example in the garden where he goes to the Father knowing that the cross is looming in his life, knowing not only the physical pain that's going to be, but the spiritual separation he's going to experience from the Father. And he says, if there's another way so that this cup can pass from me, then he says, but not my will, your will. He was dying to his will, his human will, to be born and to accept and do the will of the Father. That's what he asks us to do today as Christians, as followers of Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you to spend some time this week reading these passages that I've mentioned on dying to self. And as you do, ask the Holy Spirit to enable you to raise the roof and remove the walls of your life, remembering that when you do, it will mean dying so that you can be born again to a better life. In death, raising the roof and removing the walls. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you and just praise you that you were willing to give up everything, to take on flesh and blood, bone and muscle, to become human and to go to that cross and die for us, Jesus. Thank you. That death, we have to die also to self, to sin, and to our will so that we can be born again. We can be resurrected to a new life that is according to your will, that is then carrying the characteristics and the spiritual fruit that you will produce in our lives. Help us to desire that above all else. And thank you for providing all that we need to be enabled and empowered to do that. I love you, Father. I lift this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you for accessing today and listening today. If this spoke to you, do me the great privilege and honor of sharing this on your Facebook page so other people can hear it. And God can maybe use it in their lives either to encourage them in their walk with Jesus or maybe to share with them a truth that would enable them to surrender their lives to you, to Jesus as Lord and Savior. I love you guys. I will be back next week, same time, same station. Um, this Thursday, uh, my son and I, our podcast, Raise the Roof and Remove the Walls, we'll be talking about the parable of the weeds. So I hope that you'll, you'll tune into our podcast and listen to that. Otherwise, see you next week. Bye, guys.